Epic Gumdrop, sweeter than playing a new game every day for an entire year. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. So this year we're doing uh, a little late, but we're doing our look back at last year. Yes. I think we finally had time to catch up ourselves. And yes. Because <laughs> I think we... Well, it's nice to let the database settle. That's bit. true. It's nice to let it percolate and then settle That's true. for a bit. Um, there are a lot of numbers There is a lot in of this episode. I will put up show notes yes. over at BreakingDads.com. BreakingDads.com? BreakingDads.com. So if you're looking for yeah, what I was talking about in a very fast-paced voice yes. in my auctioneer's impression- impersonation, then uh, yeah, head over there and take a look. Impressionation? Impressionation. I, I don't got time for the words, Jeff. That's that's when you kill someone and then take over their, <laughs> their spot in the world. That's a new game we're coming out with. Otherwise known as Reverse Weekend at Bernie's. Impressionations. It's a Weekend at Bernie's to movie tie-in game. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. We've had enough coffee to do this. I don't know. We can. So right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, if you go and take a look at Board Game Geek's listings, uh, as I went and did in my uh, another attempt to you know peruse their databases, this time I tried to be a little bit more accurate. <laughs> Unlike our uh, expansions episode, which I believe, was, I believe your research for this mm, episode was referred to in your house as "Where's Dad?" Yeah, yeah, it essentially was exactly. He's been in front of that for hours. Uh, there's about forty nine hundred listings for titles produced in twenty fifteen. That's forty nine hundred titles. Yes, with no, I didn't include expansions. Uh, but uh, while this you know includes okay. everything out there, if we go to the database and exclude expansions from the list, which you can do with a little click box in the search advanced search, uh-huh. thirty one hundred and eighty five titles. So just under ten per day. And this, I mean, I've heard somebody else say that there was about six hundred games that previewed last year, and so I'm assuming this includes reprints, yeah. uh, re you know reversionings, uh, expansions uh, of some sort. I'm right. sure they don't catch everything, so there's no way. I think that no 10 per day ish no. came out. If that you look at what excessive. comes out from the main studios even and added in all the Kickstarters yeah. and small stuff, there's no way, but it's a lot right. of games. Your, your print plays, your you, little, you can't yeah. play all the games that came out in 2015. You can't even play all the big games that came out no. in 2015. No. So 2015 brought us some huge shifts in the board gaming rankings. Uh, for some time, a little game called Twilight Struggle since 2005 has uh, maintained the prestigious board game rank placement of number one. Uh, this changed. And uh, can you guess what it was, Jeff? I'm going to go on a wild limb uh, mm-hmm. because of the fact that I can't go on the internet without hearing about it. Yeah. It's going to be uh, our friend Pandemic Legacy. Yes. Uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, uh, which came out, took the top slot. Um, it it dominates in both average ranking and geek ranking rating, which I'm assuming, I think average rating is just basically taking the geek rating and getting rid of all the crazy wild cards and all the outliers. I've read their explanation of what the two ratings are yeah, on the site, and little, even I still can't figure it I out. I think they take a weighted average, throw it in. I will tell you statistics. that it was not written by a statistician. No. <laughs> I essentially they're trying to pro- pro- provide better stats and make right. it the outliers way and in campaigning. I think much. they're trying to avoid exactly people trying to campaign for certain games. Uh, so at any rate, it dominates over that. Um, while there's only 5,400 votes for Pandemic Legacy Season One, Twilight Struggle has been based on 21,500 yes. votes. So there's a you know a much bigger kind of poll mm-hmm. of data to draw from, but. It still tells you, wow, Pandemic Legacy walked in there and just started swinging. Yes. And I Um, think when you have this many games come out, as mm -hmm. has been, uh, that 
Cult of the New starts to rule even more, and the Pandemic Legacy taking that top spot might be the shining example of that. And I think the seeing the push again to get um, board games into the big box stores mm-hmm. uh, has probably been a huge drive in this, where right. people... Uh, you know, Pandemic was a great entry game for a mm-hmm. lot of people. It was cooperative. It was, I mean, it's a good game. Yeah. Um, I think I think the one criticism people had was you could math out the game. Yeah. And, and figure and out what you player doing. would take over. Play, exactly. And from what people say about Pandemic Legacy is it corrects the only flaws the game had, according yeah. to the people that love the game. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's well, you know, looks good. Everything mm-hmm. about it, it just, it, it's well suited to fit right in there. Whereas when you look at Twilight Struggle and you look, I think it's GMT that puts it out and it looks like something that was designed in the early nineties. And it, yep. I mean, it's not great. It, I, it's date. It's very dated. Yeah. Comparative to, you know, look, you even just judging it by its box cover. So it's, it's surprising. It's hung in there as long as it has. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it, we, we said yeah, that's a little like that. What was that phrase? A confirmation bias but it's basically like you know it's a good game so then well, it's gonna yeah, be a I, good game i think that's one of the things once once you have a a critical success that everybody loves it becomes hard to be the dissident voice that's like ah, it's not that great a game yeah i mean it's 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 tough for me because i haven't played it one of the reasons i haven't played it is a lot of the reviews are it's the best game ever it's not for everyone yeah and i find that sort of a weird at odds type situation. I like hearing that phrase because I'm like, oh, I'll probably like that game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> to you, you're like, no, tell me more. <laughs> oh, so yeah, um, some big numbers to consider looking yep. at 2015 as a whole. Um, it brought us 66 titles that currently sit on the top 1,000 game ranking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good to crack yeah. that many titles in there. As you said, Cult of the New is alive and well. Uh, 2015 also brought us six titles that cracked the top 100 board game rank list. Right. So I'll give those here. Uh, number one, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. It's now at rank one. Yep. Codenames, now at rank 20. That's pretty good. Yeah, especially uh, for a essentially a, a light game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a bit. Yep. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel, uh, rank 22. Mm-hmm. Blood Rage. Rank 36. Your current obsession. The Voyages of Marco Polo. I also love this game. Uh, yes. Rank 56. And Time Stories. Rank 85, which I actually, I was surprised by that one a little bit. Yeah, because um, it's very polarizing. It is. And it's quite new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all of these have a tremendous amount of votes, which skews it really wildly. So w- I think it'd be interesting to come back at the end of 2015 and see where things yeah. have settled. Yeah. Um, the end of 2016 or the end of... Sorry, 2016. Whatever. Because yeah, we already... This, we're doing end, this the end of 2015. When we hit the end of 2009, Jeff. So yeah, to see where all of this stuff settled, because I, I suspect once we get some more votes in there, it's going to start... See, I feel like thematically, Time Stories should shoot up to number one eventually, because yeah. all the people who voted for it wrong will have to restart <laughs> and vote for it again, but this exactly. time they'll get it right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And so it'll, it'll end up at number well, one. It must be a 9.5. thematically, I would love for that to happen. <laughs> Just every year it climbs a little bit higher up. Exactly. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> and a uh, few, the other, just to round out the top, you know, kind of the top 10 of last year based on board game rank, you had uh, Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. So uh, a re-implementation of uh, Vlada's game. Yep. Uh, Mysterium, uh, which again, uh, re-implementation and, and everyone was talking about that yep. for a big chunk of last year. Uh, Forbidden Stars 
which I still really want to play. Yeah. Uh, and Star Wars Armada. Which I still want somebody to buy for me. Yes, exactly. Because so, I want to play it, I do not want to buy it. No. That, and that goes for, yeah, there's a couple on there. Especially living in Canada. No. <laughs> Here are my children. Yes. Please exchange them for cardboard. Um, you know, in terms of, I tried to step back from all of this then and go, okay, what were the big themes? So I thought, you know, the top 100 games of last year would have some commonalities, something where we could say, well, that was, you know, peak storytelling horror games with miniatures or nine out of 10 releases were cooperative military games set in the 18th century Germany. But this was not the case and probably says something about the overall health of the board gaming hobby. Mm, yeah. Um, the breadth of themes, mechanics, games released last year was astounding. Now, then again, looking at the numbers, mm. you better have a breadth, a breadth of uh, themes yeah. <laughs> and styles with that many games coming out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's the beauty. Um, so there was so many titles released last year looking through the list. As I got further down the list, I was like, XCOM? The board game? That was... Wasn't that like 97? Like it just felt it, like forever ago. I agree. It does feel like ages. Yeah. I think Dice Tower reviewed it back in February. And I was like, what? That was 2015 for real? Yeah. So it's, that just says a lot about the volume wow, yeah. of stuff. I'm sure if, and I recommend people to go and peruse because you, you'll go, wow, that wasn't really 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really only looked at the first few hundred titles and but I had heard of all like a dramatic number of them. I was like, okay, mm. those all register as things I have heard about. Um, you have to go, you know, reasonably deep before you start hitting super obscure stuff. And you're like, wow, okay, like there is even at the top forty, there is so much that came out. Yeah. There. So I, you know, I thought, okay, what well, what have been a couple big themes over the past mm-hmm. few years? And one, of course, zombies. Uh, yep. I think that everybody's sick of maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're super still into it. It's a, I mean, I don't know that I'm into or out of zombies. Mm. Um, I was never really into yeah, them. I was zombies that being them. said, um, I do like a good survival horror story. That's true. Yes. Um, and this is, I think the easiest way. If you were looking for it last year, you would have found that there were only 19 games with the word zombie in the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only one of them had a board game rank at all. However, uh, there were 58 games under the category zombie in 2015, but only seven of them have a board game ranking. And that still seemed like a lot. Yeah. Overall, though, the zombie theme is in decline from 2014. Mm-hmm. And that year, there were 65 titles under the zombie <laughs> category with 21 <laughs> of them having a board game rank. And uh, the top one is Dead of Winter with an overall rank of 19. Wow. Uh, so the takeaway I got there was games about zombie, zombies are either, uh, they're getting more clever with their titles and, uh, maybe we're actually past peak zombie. I think for sure we are. Which is good. That yeah. still was a lot last year though. Yeah. All the latecomers to the game going, Ooh, zombies are big. What's going to take over these survival? I think we're going to go back to dystopian, just pure dystopian future. Just raw dystopian. Yeah. Just, yeah. just either, either, uh. Techno, techno dystopia or mm-hmm. or military dystopia. I so think the nineties are gonna make a big comeback. Uh, I think they should. Yeah. <laughs> Rifts the board game. I'm still wearing flannel. <laughs> Rifts the board game. Come on, make that happen. Yeah, I know. Uh, the other big one, I you know, I thought, okay, let's take a look at party games. Yep, that was another huge category. So uh, there was 306 titles under the party game category, excluding expansions, which. You know, 306 party games, that's yeah. that's respectable. I mean, that was actually expected more, to be honest. Um, the top-ranked party game, of course, was Codenames. And uh, 
another big success story was the One Night series in still going strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf Daybreak at rank 334. One Night Ultimate Vampire at rank 2011. And One Night Revolution at rank 2266. And uh, yeah. That's pretty good. I think, by the way, we should really work on One Night Ultimate Risk as a game. Yes. Just- <laughs> One that, night, one night, ultimate Twilight Imperium. <laughs> that's baby roulette, is what that game is. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, I can see why party games are so big, though, because yes. if you get a great packaged party game, mm-hmm. you'll open up the bookstores. You'll and oh, there's always a chance they're gift priced. Exactly, you'll go to a big box store. In yeah. which case, just the order alone to fill the big box stores would be more than Twilight Struggle has sold in its lifetime. They're more about cover art than anything absolutely you know yeah. a little bit of cleverness some really mm-hmm. great art make it look fun yep. yay yep and everyone will be talking about it it's yeah i and there the barrier to entry is so low yeah and i can see For party know, games <laughs> if you're you know an avid gamer you have them in your collection so that you can break them out when people that aren't gamers come mm-hmm. over and if you aren't a gamer you might buy it on a whim yep. for someone or for yourself thinking this will be fun when we're all wasted and Away you go. So Yay. it appeals to everyone. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge party gamer. No, but again, that has more, I think, to do with your hatred of the human species. Mm. <laughs> Stop telling people how much I love humanity. <laughs> um, so while party games were strong as usual, it's interesting uh, that the top games we noted earlier are probably heavier games, which was interesting. Like Pandemic Season uh, Legacy Season 1 plays out over 12 to 24 sessions of approximately an hour each. Yeah, Time Stories it lists as having a 60 to 90 minute playtime, but from what I understand, you need multiple sessions to solve the case. So you might be looking at three, four, five sessions of that. Yeah. Um, the Revised Through the Ages has a playtime of 120 to 240 minutes. <laughs> Forbidden Stars comes in, you know, at two hours to three hours, and Star Wars Armada is a like a, you know, that's a looks like a budget one at only two hours of your life. So those are not short games on that list. No. And uh, you know, if you consider like you know eight hour war game sessions, okay then great. That's not a big deal. But yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's a lot of time. I was very surprised by for, that. For people that have children. Yes. That's a lot of time. <laughs> True. Yeah. Until your children are okay with the eight hour war game sessions. That's uh. it also, I, I think it says a lot about the, that whole obsession everyone's had about uh, narrative and story mm-hmm. in the past few years here. I think that's, you're seeing that play out in these big games that really do tell big stories and they have mm-hmm. huge, they have narrative arcs and they have a lot of the, the tropes of a good story and that's important and you can't often do that fast. It's um, hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can see that makes sense. You have this, this collision of a lot of things mm-hmm. like, yeah, the desire for story, the desire for miniatures. That's mm-hmm. another big one, uh, which puts blood rage in that list then. Yep. Um, I mean, three out of those 10 are like have are a miniature heavy. Yeah. Uh, so we've got like these interesting obsessions at the moment that all kind of filter in there. So we'll see if that maintains through the year or if that fizzles out a little bit. Yeah. Until Kickstarter goes away, uh, minis are going to be. That's true. The thing. Um, the next thing we looked at was expansions. So I don't know. Do you want to run through some of the. Uh... All right. I've got some numbers here, which you kindly provided for me. Um, so get ready to hear some reading. <laughs> Uh, 2015 brought us 982 listings for expansions for base games. 
Uh, now, this is down slightly from 2014, which had 1,065 listings of expansions for base games, um, which is, I guess, a dip. Although, I mean, I think if you're plotting on a graph, it's yeah. going to end up looking more like a straight line after a couple of years. Pretty much. And uh, it, also, people still keep adding stuff through yep, the year. That especially, yeah. As expansions tend to be added later as they don't get ranked anyway. Um, it, it could be uh, that X-Wing put out less. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't think they can put out less. I think they certainly can't put out more. No. That's for sure in a year. I think the whole franchise as as a whole thing, though, made up for it. The, yeah, Star I'd, I'd say Star is Wars a, is a ridiculous... Uh, yeah, like it's getting to the point where it's hard to find the Star Wars game you're looking for. You can't remember exactly what it was called. I filtered Star Wars. Yeah. And it was like, what? Yeah. How, how much? I didn't even put a number down, but it was a lot. It's ridiculous. Um, it's also possible that a, a thousand expansions are all... Uh, that the board game market can currently handle, which is, I mean, the, 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 and that's, there's some truth to that because you're going to put out an expansion. There's only a point in putting it out for a game that has sold well yeah. recently or has a really nice install base exactly that can afford to buy the expansion. Yeah. Um, but as more and more games release using sort of an expandable, uh, uh, the, the market the, like that's the hook yeah yeah the, uh, this the you know like like every star game. wars games um ffg puts out <laughs> exactly <laughs> where where it's like hey spend a lot of money on this base uh and then we'll give you the stuff to make it good yeah <laughs> um now the the numbers down from the 1715 titles um that are left when we originally subtracted the 2015 expansion sort from the overall 2015 games listed in the bgg database that's another weird anomaly yeah. i was like well, these numbers don't add up but i don't know i it could be the way games are tagged as expansions or yeah uh i don't know <laughs> it's still a lot somewhere between a thousand and seventeen hundred somewhere yeah it's a lot it's lots it's more than we really can get into detail about because it's just so many and you're yes. like pick a game and throw a rock and there's 15 expansions for it better idea Pick a game and throw a Star Wars license at it. <laughs> There's 400 expansions. Yeah, because yeah, I think we can do that. Well, we got the re-implementation list. Yes. How many re-implementations were the was there of Star Wars? Uh, let's take a look. What can we think of? There was, um, well, Carcassonne did Star Wars. Yeah, that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Risk did Star Wars. Yeah, that's right. I've seen that in all the big box stores. I and Monopoly, of course. Of course. Thank you, thank you, USAopoly. Yay! Uh, Timeline did a Star Wars, which that seemed odd, but okay. Yeah, I know that's. I, don't, I mean, it makes sense. I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Uh, the least surprising or most surprising? Most surprising, I guess. In and, term, and biggest oddity currently. Yeah, it's it's got to be the love letter Star Wars, which I didn't know was a thing because you don't speak Russian. That's true. <laughs> but the Japanese review we watched of it was pretty impressive. <laughs> it is there's nothing better than watching a Japanese review of a Russian game yeah. so many people wish yeah. was in English. It's in Cyrillic, but it must be good. Yeah. It looks yeah, anyway, we'll see. I'm it's, sure that'll make it over here at some point. But who knows with licensing is weird because I, I, I know because no uh, we do the if you haven't listened to our Lego podcast, you should do that as well. Mm -hmm. There were many Lego uh, when Lego made board games, mm -hmm. they made a couple of Star Wars ones, which were only available in Europe. Right. Because of licensing. So this could be a bizarre. It could be that the, the Russian license for Star Wars is relatively cheap. Hmm. And so someone thought, yeah, OK, we can make enough money for that. Yeah. Well, so then after re-implementations, the next thing, I mean, that was the main one that, yep. I mean, there's always more stuff, but I thought that was, it was interesting to see how much Star Wars had been re-implemented re yeah. already. And there I'm was sure it's more to come. At least 75 versions of Flux that came out. There oh, was at yeah. least, uh, <laughs> what, five different versions of, of uh, 
love letter that they were either coming out or are in yeah. production. 85 versions of Munchkin. Yeah. So it's, it's always, uh, that that's with, you know, if you can't, if you can't get a license where you can sell a base game and then add ons forever. Yeah. The next best thing is to create a game that you can reskin forever. If you can't print money, forge it. Yes. On <laughs> uh, 2015, uh, next big category was mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, there's always a new mechanic that gets everybody excited. So you think back 2009 was the year of the deck builder for many years after, you know, like there's always been one. It seems like there's, these things have been around forever. Um, What did 2015 bring us? I don't know. I I really was like, huh. I mean, card drafting has been around for a few years. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. It, It mechanically. I'm not sure. And maybe we're, you know, Time Stories is introducing something new. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I have yet to play it. I don't know. So it's, yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see if there's anything big th- thing that came out. I'm sure there's something you I'm call, overlooking. Would you call minis? Uh, no, <laughs> okay, exactly. Mechanic? If it was a mechanic. But then you'd be like, ah, those were, you know, those were still there. Those they were there. Big, those but... were big since Games Workshop. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that was one of those ones I just, I'm, I don't know, let us know. Hit, hit her message board because I'm curious was there a really big mechanic that kind of broke out and or, or is this the year that's going to be the big um, the sort of legacy uh, thing because be. there's risk legacy already yeah uh, which people loved but I wonder if people are going to try to do this this serialized storytelling through I a game heard game something about yeah other people really looking closer now that it's worked twice and that could fit the whole bigger 2015 narrative in general because yeah, you've got about story. You've got serial, the podcast. You've got yes. how to make a murderer. It's true. You've got let pandemic legacy, and I think they're all very much related in how they're. So is 2015 the year about story? And the, as a mechanic, it wasn't so much just a um, straight up structural thing to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something a lot more vague, but it still is important as a mechanic. The the narrative drive That's as opposed a, to just a yeah. Only time will tell. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, Join us in 10 years when exactly. we do our reflection. <laughs> Ooh, Jeff. <laughs> yes. Uh, conventions last year. That yeah. was, uh, that they were bigger than ever. Like if you, there's little ones popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look back at even the big ones, it was terrifying. Like uh, Gen Con lists 61,423 unique attendees, which is 197,695 turnstile attendants. Uh, that's up from 2014 showing of 56,600 or even for more dizzying perspective, double 2010's turnout of wow. 30,000. They've doubled since 2010 in five years. Wow. That's uh doubled. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, if it wasn't just Gen Con that grew origins had uh, 15,938 last year up from 12,902 the year before that's growth. Yeah. Uh, even spiel, uh, which everybody calls Essen is up 162,000, um, up, slightly from 158,000 and uh but i those seem to be turnstile numbers not uniques so it i couldn't find a number for the uniques on that right still it's growing it's getting yeah. bigger i mean that's it's bananas um so is you know the main growth in the board game hobby in north america uh, where people are finally tuning into the hobby and everyone in europe's already like yeah yeah we we've been there we know about this uh, I don't know. I'd like to get no. deeper in the publisher stats at some point. Like, where is the growth in board game publishers? Is it the North American companies going through Kickstarter? No idea. I didn't even go near the board game geek forums on this. Yes. I thought, eh, I, I don't have enough days to do this episode. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure tons of opinion, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to get a better handle on the numbers. It'd be interesting to talk to somebody actually in the industry who mm-hmm. like a publisher that has a perspective of what it feels like being in the middle of that. Because if you look at the growth of attendees mm. at uh, say Gen Con, yeah. that's still not equal to the growth rate of games being published. No. So while there's a lot more people, yeah. so, so the, uh, the amount of people wanting pie has yeah. gotten bigger. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of pie available has grown even more. It's just pouring off the truck. Yeah. And I wonder if, if, you know, a lot of people are thinking that, oh, great, we're just, it's the industry's hot right now. But I mean, are, are we at a kind of weird tipping point in it where there is just pie everywhere? We're just yeah. all stepping in pie and everyone's getting, get sick of pie. But if you combine that, the growth in the industry with the sort of consolidation within the in- industry as yeah. well. Uh, That's going to squeeze interesting place. out some, yeah. with Asmodee buying up everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's... Like almost literally everything. Yeah, like, no, I know. <laughs> like, what else is there? Um, F2Z swallowed up stuff. Everybody's, yeah. it's, yeah, the industry is consolidating, right? So Which it's, is, it's like, to me, the board game industry right now looks like the video game industry in the 90s. Yeah. Where everything looked hunky-dory. I mean, I don't want to be a doomsayer, yeah. but something's got to give somewhere, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I think as long as the, I mean, from my perspective, listening to um, board game publishers talking about uh, how they do, um, how people um, try to get games published with them. Mm-hmm. They are very choosy. They're very selective. Right. They're not publishing everything. So there is a billion people trying to pitch games. Mm-hmm. Publishers are turning down most of it. Publishers are publishing more than ever, but they're they're still being right. very selective. The people that are getting turned down are turning to avenues like Kickstarter or you know going to print and right. play or going to something else. Uh, that stuff might dissolve. Well, I think this the main mm-hmm. publishers who are develop, developing these better and better relationships with good pub, uh, good distributors who are getting in with good mm-hmm. big stores that's going to continue to be the mainstay of the industry. And a lot of the smaller stuff might just drift off. Right. It's going to be like the, uh, um, you know, like MySpace kind of like, it's just this stuff. Just an attrition. Just an attrition. That's going to kind of slough off at some point. I don't know. Um, I mean, how sustainable is it if you're a, you know, a upstart designer and your first game falls flat and your second game falls flat. Yeah. Like what is, what is falling flat and Mm -hmm. how much of it can you take? I don't Mm -hmm. know. And in, in a lot of ways, it's video board games are sort of the opposite of video games. Mm. In video games, you have a huge upfront costs mm-hmm. before your game ships, but then once it ships, the the costs sort of ease off. Yeah, and it's easier to make the money off of it. Yeah. Whereas board games, you can have very low initial costs yeah. uh, because it's often a person developing the game by themselves somewhere. Yeah, and then you get it when it's fully formed. Yeah, and then you have a whole ton of costs in the production and distribution. Exactly. Yeah. So it's and, a weird warehousing. Yeah. Warehousing. And then, and just, you know, what kind of numbers do you print? And yeah, uh, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting industry. It is where, and yet, you know, I mean, those are huge numbers at Gen Con, but realistically, you know, more people than that, you know, played call of duty Two, an old game exactly. today. Yeah. <laughs> then, as then it, went there exactly yeah so so the industry feels like it's going through some kind of explosion but in yeah. broader social terms is it it's, it's like a firecracker s- yeah yeah exactly a beautiful firecracker yeah yeah i mean i mean you know nobody can write a song about it it's not a firework yeah there you go jeez <laughs> you're welcome yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i 
you know, the overall state of things, um, I wonder how many of the titles are still going to be in print in 2020. Um, one of yeah. the big problems seems to be the selection. So if you look at the problem, you've got designers, publishers, reviewers, stores, consumers, everybody's kind of got a stake in this whole game. So if you're a designer, the board game booms, you know, it's miraculous. There's so many publishers printing so many games. And if you can't get one to buy, um, uh, in your idea, then Kickstarter is bigger than ever. So, you know, it's, it's more difficult for designers to both keep up with the research, but you can get them out easier. So mm-hmm. you've kind of got issues if you're a designer. If you want to make a game, you're like, well, what's it like? Oh, I don't know. I haven't played the 4,900 titles. Um, if you're a publisher out there, there's an absurd number of people trying to pitch you ideas. Uh, you can, you know, there's a lot of demand from fans and distributors to produce more titles with more components, cheaper and without delays. Yeah. So there's squeezing going on in every mm-hmm. part of the whole mm-hmm. chain of things. You've got more ideas to choose from. But when you pick one and you get it made, you've got a whole other pile of pressures. Yeah. I mean, you see, you know, there's some game companies that run, you know, you look at uh, Stronghold Games. He's like a one man show. Like yep. there's it's putting out a lot of titles, some really good, really good titles. And that's uh, like a tiny operation in a way. Yep. Like if you were to compare it to almost any other industry, it's bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were a reviewer. There is the burden of reviewing hundreds of games a year. Right. I mean, uh, Tom Vassell's post uh, Essen pile, <laughs> he, I, he looked like the man was going to die. Like the number of reviews he was reviewing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's like this week I'm going to do like 15 reviews. Like what? Yep. How? Yep. Um, the explosion of games, uh, you know, reviewers also in the past few years is astounding. So it's increasingly difficult for a new game from a small publishers to get noticed in all of that noise. Yeah. Cause you're getting drowned by the big titles, which all these reviewers can barely keep up with, mm-hmm. let alone title number, you know, 3,628. Um, if you're a brick and mortar store owner, there's growing pressure from the online, online retailers chipping away at your sales 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. <clears throat> Offsetting this growth is, you know, or offsetting this is the growth of organized play. Right. Uh, which seems to be doing really well, like Fantasy Flight's, you know, doing better than mm-hmm. ever with their living card games and miniatures. And they're moving the product at a breakneck speed and getting gamers in the stores, which is great for the brick and mortar stores. But then there's also the problem for store owners to decide what to carry. Do they get the latest Kickstarter with all the, you know, metal coins yep. and fancy good goodies and doohickeys? Or do they pick the top 40 titles that are going to fly off the shelves? So it's as broad clientele they're trying to service going from the grizzled gamers, you know, playing magic on Fridays to the newcomers going in the door for the first time. And then there's finally us, the consumer, the gamers, where do we fit into this mess? We get to choose from a vast array of incredibly well-designed and produced games at reasonable prices. So the main struggle as a consumer continues to be one of choice. There's so much of it. It's like going into the grocery store and thinking I want mustard. Well, we rely on the reviewers, the game filters to help us you know, guide us through the cardboard path surrounded by hype. It's sometimes difficult to separate the trustworthy game gaming guides from the industry shills. The only conclusion that seems plausible in all of this frenzy is that 2016 is going to be another great year for games. And if it all falls apart after that, that's all right. Yeah. Because we'll have games to play for decades. Yes. So I 2015 yeah. was an amazing year. I think... Uh, this year taught me the lesson more than any other that there are going to be great games that I don't buy or play. Yeah. Because either I don't buy them uh, myself or people in my group don't buy them and they just, they pass me by. Yeah. 
and I'm going to have to come to terms with the fact that that's okay because I have all these other <laughs> great games. I know. I looked at that list and I was like, oh, I want that. Oh, yeah. that's going to disip. That's going to be in a second printing soon. Maybe uh, it's going to yeah, maybe maybe print. not. Yeah, and it's really hard to guess what's going to stick around and what's not going to stick exactly. around. Exactly. Uh, but if it's from Fantasy Flight, it'll probably see another <laughs> printing. Yes. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough one out there. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good problem to have. It's a, It must be really stressful and hectic for anyone that is working deep mm-hmm. in the industry right now, whether they're uh, an independent game designer mm-hmm. or a publisher or the whole chain. It must be so hard to have any conception of where it's all going to go. Yeah. So good luck, <laughs> but it's exciting for us. Yes. And we get great games to play. Exactly. Just not all of them. So I think we should go hit the internet and uh, make a list of all the games that we're just going to hope we can eventually get it, get our hands on. Well, I'm still compiling my list of the ones that haven't come out yet that I need to have. So really. And the list from 2014. I'm, so, I'm still catching up with 2009. It's yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. It's fatigue. Uh, yeah. So if you've got uh, any thoughts about what you felt was uh, big themes in 2015 or anything we missed, um, or hopefully here we'll do a 2016 look forward episode <laughs> and uh, give us some ideas what you what your thoughts are on that as well, uh, hit us up at BreakingDads.com. 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 Or uh, I'm over at, at Epic Gumdrop. And until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff. <laughs>